Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here to be able to celebrate what God is doing, what God is continuing to do in and through us, God's church, that we can go into the world, share the good news of Jesus Christ in the world, share the, the love and grace that we have received from God so that we can be the people that God has called us to be, so that we can love people where they are, and we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, I, am, I am excited that we are able to gather together in this brand new message series uh, called Thankful. So if you are new here, I just want to say you are welcome here. We are excited to have you join us. Uh, we, we are a, a group of folks that are trying to be more and more like Jesus. We recognize that we aren't perfect yet, uh, but we're working on it because we're trying to be more like Jesus. And we want to invite you invite you on a journey with us to grow in relationship to God, to grow in relationship to one another, and to grow in mission and ministry to the world. That means to take the message that we have uh, from Jesus and go into the world and live like Jesus calls us to, love like Jesus calls us to, and make an impact, an everlasting impact on the world around us. Uh, like I said, we are, we're on this brand new worship series called, uh, called Thankful. And the idea is, uh, you know, for me, right after Thanksgiving, or right after, sorry, right after Halloween, in my head, I'm, I'm already thinking about Thanksgiving. Uh, and, and we enter this kind of holiday rush time where we go from, uh, from Halloween to Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's, and it's really two months and two days, um, and, and we have four holidays. And so it can be, it can be pretty hectic uh, running through, you know, Halloween, finishing up Halloween and all the trick-or-treating, and then starting to immediately plan for a little bit for Thanksgiving, but mostly for Christmas. What are we going to do for Christmas this year? How are we going to do that? and New Year's and all of that is in there. I, I think, though, when we sit down and we're starting to do our plans and all of that, Thanksgiving can be pretty underrated. I mean, Thanksgiving is the largest travel day in the United States, so I know that we, we go and, and we're together with people, but I don't know that we spend a whole lot of time in thinking about thankfulness around the month of, of November uh, more than just uh, for the prayer that we're going to do at Thanksgiving or for uh, whatever it is that we're doing at Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is, is great by itself because, you know, there's family and food and football and food and friends and food. And maybe you're getting the idea that food is important to me. But uh, mostly uh, around Thanksgiving, I, I am super thankful for pie. I don't know about you, like pecan pie and pumpkin pie, all the best pies come around in Thanksgiving. And so it's a joy uh, for me. But the, the idea of Thanksgiving isn't about food. It's not about football. It's not even about family. The truth is the premise of thanksgiving is to give thanks. I know this is not, this is not rocket science. Uh, you all understand this. But what, what's interesting is like when we were in school, uh, our teachers would kind of encourage us uh, about what it is that we are thankful for. You know, what, what is it in your life that you're thankful for? And, and you know, a, teaching us again to ask that question of, uh, or getting us in the mindset of, I am thankful for whatever. You know, I'm thankful for Legos or for my cat or for whatever it is that I'm thankful for. Uh, you know, family, I'm thankful for mom and dad, or I'm, I'm thankful for candy. Uh, most of the time, 
kids' thankfulness is, is very fun to take a look at. Or maybe you remember when you were in school and you would do the turkey hand. Yeah, that uh, really special work of art where you took and traced your hand and then the teacher had you put feathers on there and those feathers were the different things that you were thankful for, that you were thankful for four things, at least four things. And, and then that wonderful piece of art would, would go on the refrigerator or in some prominent place so that it can be displayed so that you can share with your children just how excited you are for the things that they're thankful for. Or maybe you had one of those crafty teachers that, that made you the thankful turkey that actually looked a whole lot more like a turkey than a hand. Um, and, but it was the concept of asking you what you were thankful for. What is it in your life that you're thankful for to, to get into that mindset? And, and sometimes I think as we get older, as we enter the holiday rush, as life goes on, we stop taking a look at what it is we're thankful for, what it is that we are grateful for, how we can extend gratitude to others for the things that they've done in our lives that, that help make us who we are. And, and I think that that can be detrimental to us. It can cause us harm because I agree with Zig Ziglar when he said gratitude is the healthiest of all human emotions. Gratitude takes us out of the center of the universe. It, it, it changes our focus so that we're not just focused on us, we're focused on others and, and what they have done in our lives and what they have done to help us be the people that we need to be. And, and, and it's such a beautiful, a beautiful emotion because it allows us to put others first, to, to recognize the benefit that they have been in our lives, the way that they have changed, shaped, and grown us, molded us into the people that we are. And, and so sharing gratitude with others is key, especially in the life of a Christ follower, because we recognize that God has given to us the greatest gift of all, and that's Jesus. And we recognize that God longs for us to be in community and connected to each other. And if we are unable or if we don't take the time to use uh, our, our minds to come up with a list of things that we are grateful for, to share gratitude, to be thankful, then we can have our cameras, our personal cameras, just self-center focused on us. And we don't share with others how grateful we are for them, all the things that they've done. And so over the course of this month, we're going to reclaim that a little bit. We're going to go back to elementary school and we're going to maybe not make a hand turkey, but we're going to, we're going to have some time to think about those things that we're thankful for. Uh, and we're looking at it in four different ways. We're looking at it through the lens of family, through the lens of friends, through community, and through our church. What are those things in those four areas that we're truly thankful for? What is it that, that, um, that we really are, are uh, overjoyed about that maybe we haven't 
told others that we're thankful for. And, and quite frankly, family can be pretty hard. Can, family can be difficult because those are the people that out of everybody on the earth, they can truly get under our skin. They know all the buttons to push. They know the way to make us upset. They know the way to frustrate us. And so it can be hard for us to look for a way to, to give thanks. And, and so if, if you're in that boat, I just want to encourage you with this. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Jesus also had some times in his life when he was frustrated by his family. Uh, there's, there's a story of when Jesus was a little kid and he goes off and, and, and his parents take him to Jerusalem and everybody starts to leave and they don't see that Jesus is with them. And they're like, hey, where is Jesus? Oh, he's still back in Jerusalem. I don't know how this happened. Like, it's a big group of people and then they all left. And they, you know, it's like when you get in the car and you start driving and you're like, oh my gosh, I left my kid at the gas station. You got to turn around and go back. That's kind of the scene that's going on here with Jesus. His parents go back to Jerusalem and he's in the temple courts teaching the people about God. And the, the, the elders, the, the folks that are the, the, the religious elite are sitting there asking him questions and they're amazed by what he knows. And, and they're like, hey, Jesus, why did you run off on your own? I mean, that's, uh, that's not exactly what it says, but that's what it says. Why did you run off on your own? He said, didn't you know? Didn't you know, mom and dad, I would be here in my father's house, right? And, and, and so there, there's that picture, but there's also another picture where Jesus, Jesus struggles in relationship with his, his mom and his brothers because they come to his place of work and accuse him of being out of his mind. I don't, maybe you have never caught this in Scripture. It comes from the Gospel of Mark, and my guess is you've never had that experience. While you might have had some frustrating times with your family, you've never had the experience where they showed up at your workplace and said, hey, you are out of your mind. We're taking charge of you. And that's exactly what, what happens in this story. Uh, it's, it's from Mark, and Mark was one of the uh, followers of the disciples disciples. So Mark takes Peter's stories and compiles them into the gospel called Mark. And gospel is just good news. So it's the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and, and his earthly ministry. And, and that's exactly what we're taking a look at this day. Jesus is building his ministry. It's, it's getting bigger and better and stronger. And people are coming and paying attention. They're listening to him. But he's also developing some friction with the religious elite because he wasn't following the traditions of the elders, the, the stories and, and traditions that had been crafted and compiled over years and years of following God so that they could do it right. And Jesus was coming in conflict with them because he's like, nah, that's not really what it meant. And Jesus obviously knew as the son of God. And so uh, this scene comes when there's some, some excitement and energy in his ministry, but also the Pharisees are really uh, concerned about him and, and think that he's not um, really a prophet of God. And so uh, this is how Mark explains it. Then Jesus entered a house. This was the house of Simon Peter's mom, the, the guy that Mark is, is listening to and, and taking the stories of. And again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. There's so much of a crowd that they're not even given the time to eat. And here's 
Here's where the family gets involved. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. He is out of his... Again, that's not typically what, you know, what we think about when we think about Mary, the mother of God, that, that she would think that Jesus was out of his mind, but that's exactly the scenario. They're coming to take charge of him because they think that he's out of his mind. Now, why? I'm not sure. You know, we have this, a bunch of theologians that argue about it. Some of them say that, hey, it's probably because uh, John the Baptist had already been arrested and they they knew that there was that conflict with the religious elite. And so they were going to go take charge of him to kind of say, hey, you're, you're stirring things up. You don't need to do that. But either way, uh, I, I just, my, my focus is more on what Jesus's response is. Because I know for me, it would be like, mom, you're embarrassing me. These are my people. I'm doing my work. Please don't, don't come and do that. And maybe, maybe that's what was going through his mind. I give credit to Jesus to be a lot more mature than I am. And, and so uh, he doesn't respond in that way. Instead, he responds in a way that we could look at and be like, man, that's kind of harsh. I don't know that that's very nice of Jesus. And this is what it says. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. So Jesus is still at the house and he's still got this large crowd around him and he's sitting there teaching them. And his mom and brothers arrived to take charge of him. And they sent somebody in because they couldn't get into the house. There's too many people at at, at Jesus' ministry listening to the teachings that he's saying. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. So they, they pass on the information. I can, I can only imagine that it's like somebody calling from the door. Hey, Jesus' mom and brothers are out here, and they, they would like a word with Jesus. And so they pass that message forward. And Jesus, instead of responding in a, okay, I'll go deal with this, Jesus responds in a way, like I said, that maybe catch us off guard. He says this, who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus takes it in a direction that maybe we're not comfortable with. I mean, it it can seem like, wow, Jesus, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, nope, they're dead to me. Uh, They are not important. Uh, And that's far from the truth. What Jesus is doing is taking an opportunity to say, hey, for my disciples. I know my mom is out there, and I know why she has come, and I know why my brothers are here, and they think they're going to take charge of me, but here's the deal. They're not, because I am doing what my Father has commanded me, and my Father in heaven is far more convincing, commanding, and and, and empowering than they are, and so I'm, I'm doing what He wants me to. And if you do those same things, and you are part of my family as well. And, and that can be encouraging to us to, to hear that Jesus got a little frustrated with mom and brothers, because a lot of times in our lives, maybe in your life, uh, you have 
probably been frustrated with your family for some reason or another. Maybe it was uh, when they were saying that you should do something differently than you really were passionate about and, and it kind of hurt your feelings and you got upset with them. Or maybe they were offering criticism to you when you didn't want it. You wanted them to support and give you encouragement. Whatever it is, we've all been there because our family, again, has the uncanny knack of being able to get under our skin and cause us uh, a little bit of consternation to be frustrated, to be irritated. But Jesus doesn't leave it there, and, and neither should we. Jesus recognizes the importance of his mom and his brothers and, and, and values them because we see in one of the most beautiful pictures uh, just how compassionate Jesus is with his family. Um, the scene is this, Jesus is, is on the cross being crucified. And John, his disciple, is there with some of the women. It says this in John's gospel, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. We've got this group of women that are standing near the cross. Uh, and they, they, Mary's son, Jesus, is on the cross. And, and Jesus sees John, his disciple, and he says this, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, his, the, this disciple took her into his home. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. I, I, I just love this picture because in this moment, Jesus on the cross being crucified looks at John and says, John, I trust you. I need you to take care of my mom because I love her and she's going to need you because I love her and she's going to be hurt and heartbroken by what's going on and she is going to need you. And so I want you to take care of her as if she was your own mom. To, to be with her and to take her into your home and to give her a roof and to also tell her the stories of my life and, and the excitement that we had and, and that I am doing the will of my Father. And so Jesus, at the end of his life, brings his mom into this relationship so that she can experience life. She can get some healing and some, some encouragement from John as Jesus' disciple. And, and, and that's a beautiful picture because far too frequently when we think about our family, we, we, can, we can, like I said, focus on that negative. We can gravitate toward the negative because the truth is that sometimes it can be easiest for us to forget to be thankful to those we are closest to to those that matter the most to us, to not share with them the, the things that we, we need to, the, the words that could bring life and hope. And, and Jesus, in this last act on the cross, offers over and, and says, John, I want you to take care of my mom. And I, I, as in pastoral ministry, one of the things that has been so difficult for me is to, um, to sit with families that have gone through a loss and hear I wish I would have been able to tell them just how much I love them. I wish I would have been able to tell them just how much they meant to me. I wish that I could have told them how thankful 
I was for them. And that's, that's a struggle that we all have. And, and, and it's one of those things in my head that I, I, I tell my kids like once a month, my greatest jo- the greatest joy in my life has been to be your father so that they know how thankful I am for them because I want them to know. I don't want to hold it in. I, I'm not embarrassed by, by sharing that emotion that I love my kids. I love my mom. I love my family. And I want to be there and, and part of all of that. Uh, and, and it's important to me because it's important to God for us to be connected and in community and to share love and grace with one another. And so for the next seven days, we're going we're gonna to try this deal for the entire month, actually, of November. Uh, from, from now on, we're going to be pushing to have a, uh, some online presence, some mail presence. We're going to just be pushing to have some thankfulness uh, ooze out of this community of faith, that we're going to be thankful for those people in our family for the next seven days, and then seven days after that for our friends, and then seven days after that for our community, and seven days after that for our church. What it is about those things that we are truly thankful for. So for the online space through Facebook or Twitter, or whatever it is that you use, if you don't use it, you can gloss over this one, but whatever it is that you use online, post every day for the next seven days. This is one of those online challenges. I challenge you. Here we go. Challenge you to post every day for the next seven days, someone in your family whom you are thankful for. Either someone in your family or uh, something about your family that you're thankful for. You're thankful that they give you love and support unconditionally, or you're thankful because your dad really has, has made a difference in your life. Whatever it is, each day of the next seven days, take some time and do that. Or maybe you're not online, and here at, at Cassidy, we have some envelopes and some letter. Uh, you know, it's just a piece of stationery that says thankful. And you can write a letter to somebody. Maybe you don't want to do one every day for seven days, but taking the time to write a letter, putting a stamp on, and sending this to somebody and saying, hey, uh, I am thankful for you because you have made such a difference in my life. Or if, you're, if you don't have time for that, you're not online, crazy thought, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Like I said, I, I call my kids and, and let them know. Pick up the phone and share with somebody just how, how thankful you are for them to be in your life. So over the next seven days, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's get involved in this. If you're doing this online, I would love it if you would tag Cassidy in your, uh, in your post so that we can see that people are actually sharing gratitude with one another so that they are focusing on what God has called us to so that we can live and love well in this world. And, and if gratitude truly is, uh, that the, the greatest of human emotions, that, that emotion that leads us to selflessness, then this is a great step toward being more like Jesus because we recognize that we didn't get here on our own, but others have made a difference in us getting here and we can share gratitude. And I know it's cheesy uh, to say it, but it rhymes, so I love it. Let's cultivate an attitude of gratitude over the course of this month to, to share all those things we're thankful for, all those people that we are thankful for, and to make a difference in their lives by sharing with them just how much they have made a difference 
in our lives. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift we have in Jesus Christ, for your life, death, and resurrection, and the the fact that we are invited to be a part of your family. And we are so thankful for that, for the hope that we have in you. And help us to to let that well up within us so that our thankfulness for you can then overflow into the world around us and we can be thankful for our family. All of those people in our families that have have pushed us and challenged us and encouraged us and brought us to where we are so that we can give thanks for them so that we can really focus on what it means to be thankful and to share that with those in our lives that we are so thankful for. Help us, Lord, to be more like Jesus, to love people where they are, to recognize that sometimes we can be frustrated with them, but God, that's because they're so important to us and they matter so much. So help us to to do this, to cultivate this attitude of gratitude and to be more like Jesus each and every moment of each and every day. We pray this together in the name of Jesus and all of us agreed and said, amen.